0: Good morning Ridge Church. I'm Rusty, one of the pastors here at the Ridge. Pastor Bobby is away today. Uh, He'll be back next Sunday but since he's away then I get the opportunity to bring the message today and have to say pretty pumped about that. Uh, Last week Pastor Bobby started a new series called Follow and it's about We're not called to follow Christ on Sundays. We're called to follow Christ the other six days as well. And, you know, Jesus never said, never got the disciples together in the temple on the Sabbath and said, uh, okay, we're here today. I want to get you churched up. You go back out. We'll meet back next Sunday or the next Sabbath, and, and I'll get you all churched up again, and we'll all be good. Not the way he went about it, right? As a matter of fact, in Luke... Uh, chapter 9 verse 23 it says and he said to all if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me daily it's not a one day a week thing it's an every day a week thing okay of the in the New Testament there are 40 miracles that Jesus is recorded having done in the New Testament 39 of those was outside of the temple or outside of church for us so it's not about just what we do on Sunday that's a part of it, but it's only a part of it. It's certainly not all of it, okay? So this whole follow thing, this whole what it, following Christ the other six days of the week, what does that look like with skin on it, or what does that look like in real life? And that's what the whole series is geared to, to really focus on, and today we're going to zero in on a particular area, and that's on family and parenting, Okay? Family and parenting. And we're going to start out with the scripture that starts in Psalms. And we're going to go Psalm 127. Uh, It's a short chapter. And we're going to read verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to ask you if you would please stand with me. I know you just got comfortable, but go ahead and (laughs) just got your coffee ready. But go ahead and stand up. And if you would read this along with me. Okay? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame When he speaks with his enemies in the gate, let's pray. Father, we do come to you, and we want to honor you with our our worship, our praise. We want to honor you by by taking in the message that you've given for today. Father, I ask that you open minds, open hearts, to receive in the the intent that is given. Lord, we know that you are an encourager. So help us to to be encouraged to come to you, not just on a Sunday, but on every day of the week, in your son's name. Amen. Okay, great. Go ahead and have a seat, if you would, please. I'm sure you've heard the old saying that it takes a village to raise children, and it is true, isn't it? It really is. We count on a lot of people to raise our children. Uh, We count on other family members, we count on friends, we count on neighbors, on babysitters, on teachers, on coaches, on (sighs) just anybody we can. There's just times that we need help. Uh, It it is a huge, huge task. And it is true, it does take a village to raise a child. So if you're sitting here today and your thought is, okay, if this is on parenting and I don't have any kids, (laughs) this is cool, I'm off the hook. No, you're not. sorry (laughs) you're part of this village and right now we have a lot of kids in this church and we have a bunch downstairs we have some upstairs being part of the village part of your responsibility so don't zone out on me you need to stay focused okay Um, basically I have two families essentially I have my biological family which includes my daughter and my sister and and other relatives and I also have my church family my spiritual family right and it was very, very apparent last fall when I went through a little little issue and had to have some surgery done and stuff. And, and my church family rallied around me. My church family was there for me. Same way raising our children, or children, child, raising our child, our church family was there. It was a huge part in raising her. So, you know, we're united as a family because of our Heavenly Father, we're united through Christ to our Heavenly Father, and we need to take a look at that as as also being family, okay? Now, before I get started, I don't claim to be an expert on parenting. I I just don't, Uh, far from it. You will never hear me claim to be an expert. I am a parent, so I do have some experience. I've been a parent for over 25 years. Uh, This slide is of me and my daughter, Allie, There we go. Me and my daughter Allie, that was when I went to see her a few weeks ago. She lives and works in North Carolina. Uh, Very proud of her. She is, without a doubt, a huge gift uh, and a huge blessing in my life. Uh, So I, I do have some experience, but in that 25 years of being a parent, I have managed to run the full gamut of parenting. And she'll tell you now, if you were to ask her what kind of dad I am, she'll tell you that I'm an awesome dad. I think she gives me way too much credit. But, and there may be some others that would agree with her, but just for transparency, there was one time in her life, not a short period of time, that I was just a sorry father. I didn't do it very well at all. Not at all. I depended almost totally on her mother to do all the parenting while I was working. When I cannot remember a time in my adult life where I've had just one job. And when Allie was about five or six, I had five jobs at the same time. I was a full-time teacher. I coached three High school sports, I coached golf, girls' basketball, and girls' fast-pitch softball. And those of you that know about high school sports, there's no such thing as a seasonal sport. (laughs) Every sport is year-round. And I was also serving as the media director at one of the larger churches here in town. Five jobs. When Allie was about six or seven, God said, enough's enough. And he put an end to my coaching career, a very abrupt end to my coaching career. I was not happy at all. But it didn't take long for me to realize that that was probably the best thing that could have ever happened, especially when it came to my parenting. The real eye-opener... Sorry, I'll go ahead and get out my handkerchief now. (laughs) Give me a minute. (laughs) The real eye-opener came about a month after I got out of coaching, when Kay, my late wife, and Allie's mom, overheard my daughter tell one of her friends that she always knew that I was her daddy. But she thought that a dad was just somebody who mostly just spent the night at your house. And the thing about it is, her definition of a dad was on me. It's not what somebody had told her that a dad was. It's what she had seen a dad was. It was the only thing that she got to see day in, day out, that a dad was supposed to be. It still to this day breaks my heart that I put my daughter through that. Like I said, I'm no expert at parenting. Now, obviously... There's a lot more to parenting that we're going to be able to talk about in the next few minutes. But I do want us to focus in on three key principles. Okay? Here are the three principles that I want us to focus in on. Love is not enough. God grows children in the home and in the church. And we need to prepare our children for his mission. For his mission. Okay? So we're going to jump right in because we're short on time and long on info. So we're going to go at it pretty quick here. Number one. Love is not enough. Remember the old Beatles song? All you need is love? Ah, classic song. Unless you're trying to apply it to parenting and then it just sucks. It's not a good parenting song, okay? It just isn't. Uh, love isn't enough. Is love important? Yeah. Yeah, nobody's disputing that. Love is really important. But is it enough? No. Uh, my mother used to have a statement. I'm probably sure you probably heard it too if you're from the South. Love don't put bread on the table. Right, It just doesn't do it. You're going to need something more than love. We can love our children and still be terrible parents. I loved my daughter when I had five jobs. I loved her deeply, but I was being a sorry parent. We need more than love. What we need is we're going to need the heart of God and we need the mind of God And the only way we get that is to be close to God. Dads, let me talk to you just for a second. Uh, I've never been a mother. I know it's a confession. I know it shocked you. I know. Took you back there for a minute. You had to think about it. I haven't been a mother. Even though I've been called a lot of things, that had mother somewhere in the reference. But especially during that time when I was doing all that coaching. But I'm pretty sure that doesn't qualify me as to be a mother. So let me relate to the dads a little bit here. Men, we're called to lead our family beside our wives, not domineering over them, not dumping all the parenting chores on them while we go hide at work. Regardless if you're a single dad or if you're a married dad, Men, it's our responsibility to man up and be a parent and to lead our family, which includes leading them spiritually. PG 13 warning. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not be a bad idea. Men. We need to grow up here and man up and quit hiding and running. Because I think when it comes right down to it, men, when we don't parent, it's because we're scared. It's time to man up and be a parent and lead our family and lead our children, including spiritually. You can't put parenting Back to everybody. You can't put parenting on autopilot, okay? Simply providing for our children isn't enough. Yes, we want to provide for our children. We need to provide. We're called to provide for our children. That's that's a given. But as parents, we should be able to distinguish what what our children want and what they need. And we all know as parents, that's a big, big difference, right? It's a big difference a lot of times. And those needs... Those needs include our time and our leadership. There's a myth that we spend less time with our children now than we have in the past. Did you know that research actually shows that we spend more time with our children today than we did in the mid 60s? We actually spend more time with them. Quantity of time isn't the issue, quality of time is the issue. I'll give you an example. When Allie was little, and I had these five jobs, when I was home and when I wasn't on the phone talking to some other coach about scouting reports or whatever, we're coming up with practice plans, I liked my downtime. And I justified to myself I needed some downtime, and that was usually by watching a ball game on TV. Well, Allie would come running in, and she'd want to play. Well, I would want to watch the ball game. So I invented a game called Lazy Dad, Hide and Go Seek. It was an awesome game. Allie would come running up to my recliner, want to play. Great, let's play Lazy Dad, Hide and Go Seek. She would get all excited. Okay, ready? I'll count to ten, you go hide. I'd close my eyes. Okay, so I only closed my eyes to the count of two because there was a ball game on. But I, I would close my eyes and I would start counting. I'd get up to about, you know, finally get to eight, nine, ten, ready or not, here I sit. <laughs> Allie, are you in the bathroom? No. Allie, are you in your bedroom? No. Allie, are you in my bedroom? Yes. Allie, are you hiding behind the door? No. Are you hiding behind my bed? yes, found you. She'd come tearing back into the living room, laughing and giggling, coming up to the recliner, let's play again, let's play again. Now, if you ask her today what one of her favorite childhood memories are, she will tell you, lazy dad, hide and go seek. And that's just sad. That One of her childhood memories, her favorite childhood memories, is the time that she had her father's attention. And the truth of the matter is, he wouldn't get his butt out of his recliner and stop watching a ball game. Do I remember who that ball game, who was playing in that game? No. I remember the score? No. Do I remember anything about it? No. Nothing. What kind of memories would she have? if I would've gotten out of my recliner and played real hide-and-go-seek or gone to her room and sit down and played in her room with her for a few minutes then I would've missed what? A meaningless ball game? We all agree that our children should be one of our main priorities in our lives and even if we don't have children we It's pretty obvious that our children are our future, and we should invest heavily in them. But there's a difference in investing in our children and investing in stuff for our children. There's a difference in sitting down and playing with my child and saying, here, go play. Number two. God grows children in the home and in the church. Two areas where where God grows children. First is the home. Well, Rusty, why are we going to talk about home first? Glad you asked that question because check this out. The home is the primary place where our children see the gospel modeled. Let me rephrase that. Home is supposed to be the first place and the main place that our children see the gospel model. The home is like a gospel lab. If they if you bring them to to church on Sunday and they're downstairs or whatever and they learn about some stuff, just remember, you know, remember when you had in school and you had a class and then you would spend lab really putting it into application. Well, that's what home is. Home is the gospel lab. Home's the first place where our children should learn the Bible. In Deuteronomy 6, God's talking about, you know, you learn the Scripture. You you learn what the instructions from God are, and then you teach them to your children and how, how you apply them. That's what we're supposed to be doing in the home. Check this out. If, it's a big if, but if... You were to bring your child to the ridge every single Sunday without missing a single Sunday. And they go downstairs. They're here downstairs learning about Jesus for 52 hours in the year. That's if you made it every Sunday. Okay? 52 hours every year. But let's take a look at some numbers. Okay? I like numbers. Let's take a look at some numbers. In a year there are 8,760 hours. Now, let's take that 52 hours away from that. That leaves you 8,708 hours. But let's be fair about things, okay? Let's take eight hours a night for sleep. Now, if you've got a little one, you're not getting eight hours of sleep, but they are. But, you know, we'll, we'll say a standard eight hours of sleep average, eight hours of sleep a day. That cuts your time down to 5,788 hours. But, hey, we got to work, Right? So let me give you nine hours a day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, give you a couple of weeks of vacation. That equals 2,250 hours. That only leaves you with 3,538 hours versus 52. Now, we have some really, really good children's workers downstairs. But really, if we're expecting them to do in 52 hours... What, we have over 3,500 hours? That's just a wee bit out of balance, don't you think? Some questions for you. Do your children know your story when it comes to meeting Christ? Do they know how you met Christ? Do they know how you came to Christ? Do your children see you worship at home or just at church? Or, for that matter what do they see when they come to church and they watch you at church and worship do they see you worship are you showing them that the definition of worship is to come stand stare sit stare go home next week repeat and I, we can get into a lot of discussions on different different ways to worship and 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 that's fine i know people worship different ways i got that and i'm i'm good with that and But remember, we're modeling what worship is supposed to be. And even if you don't have children here, you don't think kids watch you? Oh, my word. They're always watching. What about the Bible? When do they see you read your Bible? Is it just when we read something in church on the screen? Do they see you with your Bible out? Do they see you reading your Bible at other times? praying? Do they see you pray? Hear you pray? Other than maybe occasionally over a meal? Why is it that so many adults are horrified by the thought of actually leading prayer in public? What if right now, I called on you by name to come up here and lead prayer? For some of you, it would be good. For some of you, we would need a cleanup on aisle three. (sighs) It just wouldn't be pretty. Why is that? Here's my thought. Because we don't get taught that as a kid. My mother was a Christian. She never taught us to stand up and pray in public. She never taught us how to lead a prayer. Are we teaching our kids that? How about grace, mercy, forgiveness, both giving and receiving? What about when that guy cuts you off in traffic? Are you showing mercy and grace and forgiveness when you wave at him? (laughs) Are you using all five fingers? (laughs) Or not? kids are watching, and our children, any child, will learn quicker, more effectively, and more often by what they see than what they hear you telling them. If they hear the words coming out of your mouth, but they're seeing everything different, they're not buying what's coming out of your mouth. Now, at home, we should be telling our children, we should be explaining to them what sin is and who God is and, and God's purpose and God's love and things like that, and, and that can be tough, and, and there are a lot of different ways to go about doing it. You know, you come to church and you expect everybody to say, well, you know, you need to sit down with the Bible and have a family Bible time, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that, but there are other ways to go about it, too. When Allie was, I'll give you an example. When Allie was in middle school and high school, Thursday nights, 8 o'clock, set in stone, she was to be at the house. I was to be at the house. If one of us wasn't there, it better be something big, and it better be something completely out of our control. Because Thursday night at 8 o'clock, Survivor came on TV. (laughs) And we weren't missing that. That was our daddy-daughter time, Survivor. Now, has anybody ever accused Survivor of being a gospel-related show? (laughs) No. No. No, not unless they were smoking something at the time. No, that, that's not going to be referred to that, right? But that led to some of the best conversations she and I had when she was in middle school and high school. We had conversations about grace and mercy and forgiveness and revenge. We had conversations about sexuality and homosexuality. We had conversations about being a Christian in a non-Christian environment, having your faith held against you, how to hold up, how to hold to your principles and to your values and your faith in times that are a major struggle, even if you know that it's going to cost you an opportunity to get what your goal is, but to stand in and stay the ground. We had more conversations during that show and related from that show. There are a lot of different ways to look for opportunities to teach your child about the gospel and to reflect it to them. Don't limit yourself. Now, at this point, I, I get if you're a parent and you're starting to go, well, I, I don't do that, and I don't do this, and, and again, this is not coming from a place of, of pride. I've, I certainly haven't been an awesome parent. I've been blessed to have an opportunity to go from a very self-centered jacked up idea of what a parent is supposed to be to being able to understand just how much my heavenly father loves me and how good of a parent he is to me and then me trying to turn that around and show some, some instance of that to my daughter as much as I can and you might be worried that, that you're not doing things right you need to understand you're in a perfectly safe place because you're in a place of jacked up people okay okay and we've all made mistakes, and we all continue to make mistakes, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a perfect family in the Bible. Mary and Joseph. Jesus, earthly parents. Go to Jerusalem, head back, forget the kid. Forget the son. How do you forget the son of God? How are you on the way back and go, well, gee, you know, we've got, where's Jesus? I mean, he's only the son of God. Where'd he go? I mean, they just didn't barely forget him. I mean, they hardcore forgot him and had to go back and try to find him. So you're not going to find a lot of perfect families in the Bible. Okay? So don't beat yourself up about you're not a perfect parent. Don't, okay? And that's not what this whole, whole message is about, too. You need to understand that it's never too late to model the reflection of the gospel to your child. It doesn't matter if your child is in elementary school, if they are younger, or if they're in middle school, or high school, or even grown. It's never too late for us as parents to model that to our children. Second, the church. God grows our children in the church. Reggie Joyner, who is a family pastor at uh, North Point in Atlanta, Andy Stanley's church. He was also the founder of uh, an organization called Orange we actually use the orange curriculum downstairs for our kids. Said that uh, kids need a second family, the church. You need to understand that your kids have a second family away from you. As a high school teacher, I see it all the time. And as a high school teacher, where I discuss do you choose your friends or do you go with your parents when things disagree, the number of times they choose their friend's viewpoint versus their parents' viewpoint is overwhelming. They have another family. Wouldn't it be nice if that other family is their church family? But they only get that if we teach that and model that. Your kids need other mentors besides just parents. That's important. Now, I told you a minute ago that 52 hours is what we get your children downstairs if you bring them every week. So can get much get done in 52 hours? Yes, it can because, like I said, we have some awesome people downstairs. And we have some awesome people working with our youth on Wednesday nights. Those are big times, those are important times, those are key times, and it should never be underestimated what can be done in those times and the seeds that can be planted and the growth that can be made. But we need more. We do need more. And, and if you can't come and, and directly help with youth or with children, there are other ways to help. You can provide transportation. The number of kids that we have that aren't here strictly because they don't have transportation to get here and back, there's a big need for that materials. You can provide materials. You can provide snacks. You can you can help prep materials. You have any idea how big of a help it would be to our children's workers if somebody would come in midweek and prep that material, run those copies, cut all those things off? Holy moly! You ought to see them. Cutting. You ought to see them cutting. I mean all. Those of you with children downstairs, all those little things that they come home with every Sunday, glued to popsicle sticks and all this other sort of stuff. Somebody had to cut all that stuff out. And it can't be done on Sunday morning. And I don't know how long it takes. But I do know this. Thursday night when I was here, I saw Andrea and Samantha, I know they spent over an hour doing it because they were working on it when I got here, and they were still working when I left, and I was here for over an hour. And that's not a every now and then thing, and they're not the only ones who do that. We have tons of workers that are, that are just prepping and prepping and prepping. Any teacher will tell you a lot more time goes into the prep than it does into the actual teaching of a lesson. Just being willing to come in and help prep materials and set materials up for them would be a huge help. There are too many ways to get involved, not to get involved. So are you investing time in our children and on our youth? I'll give you another example. We're just now on the verge of wrapping up painting downstairs. For the last three, four weeks, maybe a tad longer, it seems like forever, but it's got to seem a lot longer for some, because I haven't been there that long, that many times, and it seemed like a long time. But we've been trying to paint downstairs and put down new carpet. Why? Because we value our children's environment, and we want them to have a good environment. And time and time again, Bobby asked for volunteers, sent out emails, sent out, put it on the blog, sent it on, you know, tons of different ways, asked for help. And we've had volunteers show up and help. We really wanted to do the painting ourselves to really save on expenses. Why has it taken four weeks? There have been only a few times when we've had more than four or five people and several times when it's been one or two. What would have happened on the first call that Bobby asked for volunteers if 20 people would have shown up to paint? We would have knocked out the, the preschool side on one day and the next time we would have knocked out the children's side on the other there are other ways to invest in children than teaching a class. There's other ways to show them that we think that they're important. That we can invest in them and that they're willing to invest in them. Keep in mind that we have between 150 and 200 adults that show up here every Sunday. The other thing to keep in mind is that children and youth can't grow in church if they aren't here. Parents, If you don't make Christ important in your life, chances are neither will your children. They may, but the odds are against them, according to the research. And that brings us to our last point. Okay, prepare them for His mission. And Psalm you know talked about the arrows. An arrow has once an arrow is shot, it has one purpose, and that's to hit its target. That's it. And we be, need to be reminded as parents, we only have our children for a short period of time, okay? For a short period of time. Sometimes it seems like it's going to be forever, but it won't, okay? <laughs> it won't. Now, you're going to look up one day and go, where did the time go? Our purpose is to prepare them to send them out into the world. Again, Joyner says, the ultimate mission of the family is not to protect your children from all harm, but to mobilize them for the mission of God. It is possible to hold on to your kids so tightly that we forget the ultimate goal of parenting is to let go. There's some good news for us, those of us that parents that struggle to let go, and that's the fact that even though it may be hard to get our mind wrapped around, but God loves our children more than we love our children. That's hard for me to comprehend, but I know it's true. More than perfect parenting techniques, we need the grace of God. Again, back in in Psalm 127, it said, Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord is the center of your home, you're laboring in vain. The center of your home is not on Sunday. We need to have the Lord in our home, in our presence every day, and be modeling that. Part of our responsibility as parents, as parents, and of the church is to guide your children in the right direction and prepare them for the real world, right? All too often, we set our priorities for our children, and we get them backwards. We pour into them what we want them to be. We set goals for them like a, a great athlete. Newsflash, I've been downstairs. The next LeBron is not down there. <laughs> that just isn't. Okay? Sorry if I disappointed you or burst your bubble right there. We want them to be great athletes or we want them to be doctors or dentists or lawyers or whatever. And we get so focused on what we want them to be, we lose focus on who they are becoming and who they are. As adult Christians, we can agree that God has a plan for our lives, right? But we need to stop and understand that God also has a plan for our children's lives. And that plan is already formulated, and that plan is, everything there is being put into place. Are we going to prepare them? Are we going to raise them up in a way that they can understand And when the, when the time comes for God to reveal his plan to them, whether they're ready to hear that message and are prepared to take that plan on and move forward with it? Kids need you to be a mom and a dad more than they need you to be a coach. When I was coaching I tried very hard and don't know if I ever did it successfully to explain to parents that their child didn't need another coach at home their child needed them to be a parent at home. I would coach them I would teach them the skills. What they needed when they came home was somebody to put an arm around them and tell them that they loved them just as much if they were starting or if they never got in the game, they loved them just as much. That they were just as valuable as a person if they scored the winning goal or if they never made it off the bench. I didn't need parents to be screaming at their child because they went 0 for 4 at the plate or missed a free throw that would have won the game. I didn't need parents to be down on them because they lost a game or were losing a lot of games. I needed parents to hold their kid and say, it's okay. I needed parents to talk to them about working through the tough times and the hard times, the disappointing times, to teach them how to lose well and teach them how to win well. I know a lot of parents coach, and they coach their children. If you coach your children, that's great and that's awesome, but when you go home, leave the coach at the school or on the field. When you go home, be mom and dad because they need mom and dad more than they need the coach. We as a church have a mission to be a reflection of the gospel so that those far from God will be awakened to a new life in Christ. Our mission statement for the Ridge. Those that are far from God can be your kids too. We as a church have a responsibility to teach you how to, what it means to be that reflection, and also to teach you how to teach your children. You need to know that we are here to help. The Ridge is serious about our children, and we are here to help you. If that's you and you need some help, then there's a connect card that you were given when you come in. Please take that connect card and write on there what you need. Where do you need help with your parenting? What questions do you have? What walls have you run into? What are the challenges that you need help getting past? Do you need prayer? Do you need someone to talk to? Do you need to sit down? I mean, whatever it is, write it down on that card. I would also encourage you to get involved, whether it's with student ministry, rich kids, even if it's serving in some other completely area, then your children see you serving. Again, it's modeling. Let's help them to see that being a part of a body of believers is really important. As we wrap up, there's there's nothing about the future of our children to really make us, when we stop and think about our future of our children, to make us stop and think about our own relationship with Christ. It's hard to model something that we don't know. So where are we in our own relationship? Again, that's something that in just a minute... If you want to come down front for prayer, if you want to spend time talking to someone, again, on the Connect card or whatever. I imagine that this has been sort of a hard message for some of you. And I I don't want you to leave here feeling like you came to church this morning and got beat up. That's not the purpose and intent of the message. The intent of the message is to be encouraged. And I really want you to be encouraged because you are in a place that, that cares. None of us have gotten it right. None of us have been perfect parents. But we should be here for each other. And we're here for you. Let's pray. Father, we love you dearly. Father, you have given us the greatest joy that a parent could ask for in a child. Father, it's so hard to raise children. And it's certainly not easier to do in today's society and today's culture. It is such a challenge. But Father, help us to raise our children with the love that you have for us. Help us to raise our children, to invest in them, and to show their importance the way that that you look at us. Father, help them when they want to know what you are like. Help them to only have to look as far as us to get a glimpse. Father, help us to step up. Help us to ask for help when we need it. Help us to Help others when we have that opportunity. Father, help us to bring our children closer to you so they can fulfill the plan that you have designed for them since they were in the womb.